Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, it is my pleasure today to introduce our guest speaker. Brogan and John Griffith are with us from our sister church in Lawrence. They grew up in our campus ministry. They started in Manhattan on the campus with Called to Greatness. They're spending a season in Lawrence at Morningstar with Called to Greatness there. And their eventual plans will be to plant a church in Topeka. So it's just an honor to have you guys. I'm sure John will talk a little bit about that. But we're going to continue on in our Joshua series. And come on up, John. We're really excited to have you. Let's give him a City Life welcome. All right. How is everyone this morning? Good. Yeah, it's good to be here. My name is John. It's an honor to be here at City Life Church with you guys this morning, and I've been really excited about this morning, and uh, Dave was telling me just a little bit about the Step Up series, you guys going through Joshua. Man, it's exciting calling us to step up into this new kind of life that God has for us. I'm going to continue and talk a little bit about work, and before you kind of just like, ugh, and think about, you know, uh, office space or TPS reports or anything like that, I kind of want to phrase it for us. Uh, and if you're anything like me, I love to start things. Anybody love starting things? But I'm, I found that I'm not very good at finishing things. Anybody else relate to me at all? Okay, so I started to realize this about myself a few years ago. I really, I get a lot of energy from starting new things, thinking of new ideas, starting new projects, you know, all those kinds of things. But I started to realize that about halfway through whatever project, man, I start to get really bored. And it starts to get really hard. And you start to have to really just dig through the details, right, of whatever project you're working on. And I started to find myself, you know, it'd be way more fun just to start something else right now instead of finishing this thing. Because it's just so, there's a lot of things to work through, and I'd rather just get to the exciting thing of starting something else. So uh, I want to show you a picture. This is my desk. Uh, I built this, oh, it's a, it's a little dark, but you can see I kind of doodle on it and different things. But I realized this about myself, so I, I wrote this note at the bottom, fi- finish your work in big, bold letters. I needed this reminder because, you know, in the middle of a project, I'll just get bored, and I'm like, ah, oh, no, let's start something else. And so I wrote this reminder to myself, it's, no, 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 finishing your work, That's, you need this. And uh, just a little example, one of the things I like to do on the side uh, as a kind of a hobby is, I write music, I produce songs, different things, and it's just a fun creative outlet for me. Uh, But I want to show you a a little thing. This is a picture of, these are all the songs that I've finished 100%. Like they're out there on the internet somewhere. There's like 12 songs, okay? The next one is all the unfinished songs that I'm still working on. So it's like three or four times as many that are just not done. And, you know, some of them probably just aren't worth finishing. You know, I mean, let's be honest, they're not good. But some of them, I just... You get stuck in the middle, and I just don't know how to finish them, you know? So anybody relate to me at all? Okay, I'm not the only one. Great. So I want to talk about work, and I want to talk specifically about how to be people who finish our work. How to be people who finish our work. And uh, these are kind of lighthearted examples, you know, but I've found that this principle translates in, in a much broader scope 
to, to the broader scope of our whole lives in, in different ways. And uh, the Bible in Genesis, if you're familiar with the story, the first book of the Bible in Genesis recounts the creation story about how God made human beings in God's image. And part of that was with work in mind. And part of that, was, it wasn't just work like, hey, you're going to go to the grind in the office every day, but it was this commission to cultivate the earth to make the earth a better place, to make things uh, of beauty, and to, to work with God and spread this culture of being in relationship with God throughout the whole earth. And it was amazing, but then sin entered the world, it made work harder, but still, to this day, you and I are made in the image of God with work in mind to, to make the world a better place, to, to cultivate the earth in different ways. And so when I talk about work this morning, I don't, wanna, I don't want us to think about just our day jobs or our career, or maybe some project that we happen to be working on. I want us to kind of take a step back and think about the broader scope of who God has made us to be and what our life produces in a much broader sense. Like, what is the greater purpose we were created for or the culmination of our life? So, with that definition in mind, I want us to just take kind of a a second and think about your own life. Think about the things that you're invested in. Think about your, your job, but also more than your job. Think about your, your relationships, different things that your life is invested in. And I want you to think about this question. What right now is the biggest thing draining your passion in your life right now? So just think about that for a second. What's the biggest thing right now draining your passion? Okay, so if, if you're like me, maybe you can think of uh, way too many things, you know, and maybe some of them are sitting next to you, uh, in, in the seat next to you. <laughs> We're not going to say any names, okay, but uh, if you look back over the last few years of your life, I just think about this pattern. Over the last five years, is there an increase in passion, in faith, in risk and boldness, or is there a decrease? Or maybe, you know, there's a plateau and you're like, ah, I just really haven't changed. But some of you guys might be here and it might have been a long time in the past for you to think of an example when you last were passionate about something and when you were last like taking risks and excited about the future. Maybe that's because life just kind of beats you up a little bit. Maybe some of you guys are, are right in the middle of some hardship right now and you're like, man, life is great, but this thing right here is really hard. How do I press through it so I don't get stuck here forever? And maybe some of us are, are on the front end where just life is awesome, there are no problems on the horizon, and how do we be people who press through the hardships whenever they might come, uh, because they will come. So I want us to think about this. There's this story uh, in the Bible of a guy named Caleb uh, that I think will be really encouraging us to help us become people who can step up and finish the work that God's put in our life. So if you have your Bible or if you have the app on your phone, open them up to Joshua chapter 14. We're going to look at this story of Caleb, and uh, I love this story. This is such a, a cool example of this guy who just never loses sight of what he's doing, what he's about, and I think this will be really encouraging for us. So Joshua 14, chapter 6. You guys have been going through Joshua, and right now Joshua has led the people of Israel into the promised land, And where we're going to pick up the story, Joshua is like 
delegating pieces of land in the promised land to the different tribes. They're like having this big meeting where he's like calling tribes up one by one. All right, tribe of Judah, come on up. And he tell them, okay, you can take that hill country over there. All right, tribe of Issachar, your turn, come on up. You know, you can live over in the, the valleys over there. And so right in the middle of this meeting is where we pick up this story in verse 6. So it says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb. Caleb is, is our hero of the story this morning. Son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember. Everybody say remember. Remember, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. And then he launches into this story reminding Joshua of this time in the past that you might be familiar. He's like, hey, Joshua, you remember back in the day, and if you've ever seen, uh, anybody seen Prince of Egypt? Uh, kind of a famous, you know, uh, cartoon musical about Moses, or Exodus, Gods and Kings came out a few years ago. It's these famous stories about Moses leading the people of Israel out of slavery, you know, through the Hollywood moment where the Red Sea splits and they walk through on dry ground, and, you know, you know it's amazing. Uh, I was a little disappointed in Exodus, Gods and Kings, how they kind of portrayed that. It wasn't quite as, you know, cool as I saw it in my mind, but uh, it's what it is, you know. And so uh, they go through, and then God says, all right, I want to lead you to your own country, your own promised land where you can thrive in this nation. But there's a major problem because when they get to the promised land, they send 12 guys into it. You might know the story. They send 12 guys in to check it out. And to come back with this report of how awesome the land is and why they should go take it. But 10 of the 12 guys come back and they're like, guys, we're doomed. If we go in there now, we're all going to die. And Moses is like, man, I should have picked, I picked the wrong guys, you know. I mean, like, I should have picked 10 of, like, anybody else want to give this a try, you know. But they're doomsdayers, and unfortunately, they convinced the whole people, like two and a half million people, not to go into the promised land because there are giants in the land, and we are just grasshoppers. And they know, they know it too. Like, if we go in there, they would laugh at us because of how small and weak we are. And so the whole country Instead of entering the promised land, they turn around and they go, nah, yeah, we, we can't do that. Now, the two other guys, there was 12 guys and 10, 10 were naysayers. The two guys that were like, no, 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 please don't listen to them, were Joshua and Caleb. These two guys that we're about to talk about. Now, unfortunately, you know, the people listen to the 10 guys rather than the two. They don't go into the promised land. They wander around the desert for like 40 years until the, the generation dies off and a new generation comes up that is ready to take God at his word and enter the promised land. And now here we are. And so Joshua is divvying up land. And I love this because Caleb doesn't even like wait for his turn. You know, he's not like waiting for like, all right, Caleb, your turn. Let me tell you where you're going to live. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to wait like hey, it's my turn now, like, let me tell you something. And he comes to Joshua and he says, remember, remember, Joshua, what the Lord said to Moses about you and me. Remember, these, these guys go way back. These are the two spies that had a good report. They wanted to follow the Lord. They wanted to go into the promised land. And he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. I returned, and he's like, Joshua, you remember, you were there. I returned with an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. 
So that day, Moses solemnly promised me. He tells, tells Joshua, hey, Moses made me this promise. The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So I want us to think about what are some reasons that we get into whatever it is that God has placed in front of us, but then we, we lose heart and we don't finish. I think there are a few different reasons, and one is when things get tough, we tend to ask the question, is this worth it? Right? Like, how many of you guys have ever committed to the classic New Year's resolution, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. every day and go to the gym? Anybody ever made that resolution? Yeah. Okay, so it's May. We're five months in. Who made a New Year's resolution of any kind back in January? Raise your hand if you made any New Year's resolutions. Three people made any. Okay, is anybody still going strong at the one of the three people? All right, great. So it's almost like cliche now to talk about New Year's resolutions because we all know nobody gets out of January with their still going strong at their New Year's resolutions. And like going to the gym is the, cla- is the pinnacle of terrible New Year's resolutions. And so I was just thinking about this. There's been a few times where I've tried to, you know, I'm going to like have it worked out ever. And so I'm going to go start going to the gym every single day at 5 a.m. Can't remember the last time I ever got up at 5 a.m., but now I'm going to do it every day, right? Anybody ever been there? And uh, you realize on day four, or if you're really good, it's day five, that your alarm's going off at 6 a.m. It's dark outside. You realize, man, why did I stay up watching Netflix till 1 a.m.? I did not think this through. Your alarm is going off, and you're like, is this worth it, right? Is this worth it? Because I'll tell you what's worth it. Going back to bed is worth it. Like, there's an immediate payoff to going back to bed. Or maybe you have a, you're trying to, to develop the skill of being organized, and so you're, I mean, I'm going to get Google Calendar. Never used a calendar before, but I'm put everything in my life on this Google Calendar to be strategic with my time. But then the third time that you forget to put things in your calendar and you miss an appointment for the third time, you're like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? Because I don't know. Because I'll tell you what is worth it. Man, binging 10 seasons of Friends for the fourth time man, that's worth it, you know, like there's an immediate payoff to that. And when you think about the question, is this worth it? It's, it's kind of a question of value, right? Like, is the thing that I set out to do really valuable enough for me to go through this? And so one of the things that prevents us from finishing our work is we lose sight of the value of why we even started in the first place. And when you think about Caleb, He never lost sight of the value of why they set out toward the promised land. And this is amazing to me because if you put yourself in Caleb's shoes for a second, there's either two situations that Caleb is in. One of two. Okay, so remember, he was one of the two spies that was supposed to convince the people to go into the promised land, and they didn't enter the promised land. So if I was Caleb, I'm in one of two situations. I'm either beating myself up, Man, I could have done better to convince the people. I failed. We're not in the promised land. We wander around the desert for 45 years, and so I'm just kicking myself over and over and over for 45 years, knowing, man, I'm a a failure. Or, if it's not that, I'm blaming the other guys. How many of you guys have ever experienced pain because of somebody else? You guys ever been there? How does it make you feel about the other person? Are you feeling like the warm and fuzzies? 
No, you're like, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. Like, how could you do this to me? This isn't my fault. And if you imagine Caleb, imagine having 45 years doing nothing in the desert to stew on it. Right? You guys, you guys, are, you guys know exactly. And imagine 45 years later, you're probably not going to be like the most happy person to be around with 45 years to stew on. Man, these stupid 10 guys prevented me from... <laughs> getting what was mine. I was there. I was trying to obey God, but they prevented me. It's not even my fault that we're not in the promised land. I wanted to go into the promised land. It's their fault. And he just goes in circles and in circles, which I think we can all relate to. And so it's amazing to me that Caleb wasn't doing that. However he did it, he worked through that because he wasn't living in the context of some pain in the past. Whether it was a personal failure or bitterness about some other person preventing him, he wasn't living in the context of the past. He was living in the context of a promise for the future. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Because for 45 years, he's wandering in the desert. He's, no, no, no. Man, God has more for us. And yeah, we didn't get it then, but man, that's not going to stop us. We're going to get it someday. He's not living in the context of pain in the past, but he's living in the context of a future promise. And so I want us to think about, man, what frames our life? When there are things that drain us, preventing us from finishing the thing that God puts in our life, is it because we're framing our life by some, some painful thing in the past? Maybe uh, a hurt, uh, maybe someone betrayed us, maybe it's some failure of our own, but is there something preventing us saying, man, you can't do that anymore? Because Caleb was captured by the value of the kingdom. And if we aren't captured by the value of the future promise, then any hardship will always prevent us from finishing. And the story goes on. So he reminds Joshua, hey, remember, remember this thing? Moses promised it to me. And he says, now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered around the wilderness. Today, and this blows me away, today I'm 85 years old. Do we have anybody 85 or older in the room? Okay, no one. Okay, I'm 85 years old. So to this, to us, it's like, okay, that's super old. Yeah, I mean, 85 years old. But he says, I'm as strong now as I was. You're like, what? Like, dude. You're seriously deluding yourself. I mean, come on. I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel, and I can still fight as well as I could then. I think of this. Does this sound like a guy worn down by the hardships of life? Okay, we can, you know, have some crowd participation here. Does this, does this sound like a guy worn down by life? No. Does this sound like a guy who peaked in his 30s and is just coasting? No. Does this sound like a guy who thinks that his best days are behind him? No. As I was preparing this message, I, that really stuck out to me because I felt like somebody here needs to know your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. And if you're consumed with something in the past, if you've lost sight of the value of what God wants to do in the future, then you're always going to look to the past to find value, which is, is going to lead to my best days are behind me. Because, man, that one time 20 years ago, that was amazing, but I haven't seen anything like that since. But God wants to tell us today, your best days are ahead of you. Let's live in the context of the promise because God has something in the future for us rather than getting stuck in something that happened to us in the past. So that just, that blows me away. So when you lose sight of that, 
man, it's, it's game over. And I want to come back to, to this sentence that, that he says, I'm 85 years old, and I'm as strong now as I was then. And you just got to think, I mean, this guy was either seriously deluding himself, or he sees something that maybe we don't see, right? Because how is this 85-year-old guy seriously going to tell us he's going to go fight giants in their prime, let alone like hold a sword without breaking a hip? You know, I mean, I can just imagine just like dragging the sword behind him. You're like, dude, seriously? Like, what do you think you're going to do? You're just like, you see something that we don't see, you know? And I want us to think about that this isn't the first time that Caleb saw something that other people didn't see. And this time it was in himself. This 85-year-old guy, you're like, dude, really? Like, you think you should be leading anything? You know, I don't know. Because what do we want to do? When we see a guy like that, we want to give him a reality check. We want to like remind him of the facts, right? Like, hey, Caleb, fact number one working against you, you're 85. I mean, really? Like, you really think you're going to go fight giants? Fact number two, giants, more than one. <laughs> more than one. There's one of you, more than one giant. Fact number three, they're not 85. You know, I mean, we want to like give him a reality check. Like, hey, Caleb, come on, man, let's rethink this. You know, like, I don't think you really see in this clearly. But what's amazing is I think that Caleb would turn right around and remind us of the facts. And the difference is perspective. One of the reasons that, that we don't finish the things that God puts in our lives is we lose perspective. Think back to the 12 spies. They walked in the land. They saw the same land. They saw the same, you know, cool geography. They saw the same enemies. They saw the same harvest. But what was different? Because two guys saw something different than the other 10 guys. It was perspective. That's what was different. The 10 guys walked in. They saw these massive giants and a little tiny God behind them. But Caleb and Joshua walked in. They saw these little tiny giants and this massive God backing them up. The difference is perspective. Some of us, were too close to the problem. We think, this is all there is. This massive giant in front of me is preventing me. I'll never be able to overcome this. And if we would just take a step back, we're like, that's not really as big as I think it is. We could see that God is so much bigger than this problem in our lives. We need to refresh our perspective. So then the, the story goes on. He says, so, I'm 85 I'm still as strong now as I was, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, or as spies, we found the descendants of Anak. Those are these giants, this race of giant warriors, the descendants of Anak, living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. And again, it's like he's building this case. You're like, okay, wait, there's giants in giant towns with giant walls. Like, come on. But he's like not phased at all. He's like, man, if the Lord is with me, we will overcome these enemies. And I think the other thing that keeps us from finishing our work is sometimes we don't expect resistance. You guys ever start something and you're so convinced about how great it is that it's just going to be the easiest thing you've ever done? But then like, 50% of your way through, you're like, ah, oh, this is not what I expected. Like, this is not going as easy. Maybe this isn't what God wanted me to do. Uh, there's some painful laughter in the room. Like, some of us have experienced that before. Yeah, there's, uh, there's this thing that I like to call open-door theology. Maybe you have a different name for it, but 
It's the process of decision-making where we decide that what God wants us to do is whatever door happens to be open in front of us at the time. You guys ever been there? And I think that's kind of this thinking. It's like, okay, whatever is the least amount of resistance, that's obviously what God wants me to do. Right? But how many of you guys have experienced there are things that God has put in front of you that are not easy, that are not like, they're, they're not the easy, like, painless experience thing. Sometimes God wants to be like, hey, yeah, ignore the open door. Go kick down that closed door. Like, we're going to figure this thing out. All right, so sometimes we just don't expect that there are giants in the land ahead of us. It was the promised land. It was still from God, but there were enemies to be conquered. And Caleb always knew, and I love this about Caleb, that at 85 years old, he was eager for a fresh fight with an enemy. He's like, man, I've been wandering around the desert for 45 years. This sword has been useless. Like, man, I just imagine Caleb is like this old crusty dude at campfires. Like, you know, it's like the nation is around the desert. They're camping every night. He's like sitting around the fire, like sharpening his sword every night. And the kids, you know, in the camp are like sort of scared, but they're sort of intrigued and they kind of think he's cool. So they're like, hey, go talk to him. Like, go, tell, go ask him to tell us a story or something. You know, he's like, has some weird raspy voice sharpening his sword, you know, and they like inch closer, like, hey man, you want to tell us about some cool experience you had, you know? And he's like, all right, fine, you know? And I just imagine that's him. He's eager. He's ready for a fresh fight, for a fresh battle with something new, because he knows that that's who God has made him to be, to overcome an enemy. And some of us, all of us, and I speak from personal experience that, man, when we go too long without a fight, we can get really lazy, and we can just get to this place where we just think that, man, life should be easy if any resistance comes. And that's obviously not from God and I'm doing the wrong thing. When God wants us to step up and rise up a little bit and remind ourselves of who God has really made us to be. To be people who can overcome resistance and challenges in our lives. Now I'm not talking about people you know, like when we think about resistance, you might be like nudging your neighbor like, man, you're the problem in my life right now. Like, how can I overcome this person, you know? And I'm not talking about, you know, maybe about a political party or, or anything like that, but there are challenges and things in our lives that seek to destroy us or pull us away from the work that God has in our lives. I think about sin is an obvious one. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed envy. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a hurt that happened to you in the past that wants to pull you away from what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you've been hurt in the past and it's just easy to wallow in pity or unforgiveness or bitterness. Maybe you've been hurt by people and as God wants to bring you around people that can help you, you're like, no, 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 I've been hurt before. So I'm going to throw my walls up. I'm going to push people away before they can hurt me and I'm going to keep people at this. That's an enemy that wants to pull you away from what God wants to do in your life. And I think God wants to challenge us to rise up and see, hey, that's not just your personality. That's an enemy for you to overcome in your life that wants to prevent you from walking in to what God wants to do in your life. So we got to realize that there are enemies. There is resistance in our life. So this whole thing happens. The story goes on. You know, we got this, this 85-year-old guy is like, let me at him. And Joshua doesn't do a reality check. He doesn't do the thing that we would do. He's, he blesses him. He says, yeah, you're right. Moses promised that to you. You are as strong as you were 45 years ago. And it goes on, he says, Joshua blessed Caleb. 
He blessed him, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. How many times in this story did it mention that phrase? He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. It's like four or five times in that story we just read. It mentions it four or five times. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And I think the, the last reason that sometimes we, we don't finish the things that God has for us is because sometimes we're not even doing the things that God has for us. Sometimes we don't, we're not even doing work that we got from the Lord. If you ever had the experience where you're really excited about something and you just want to like pull genie out of a bottle and like God bless this thing because this is what I want and so I'm going to slap your name on it and just pray that you bless this, right? And sometimes God some, sometimes God does that because we have passions and, and talents and personalities, but sometimes God's like, no, I'm not in that right now. I'm in this thing. Let's redivert our focus. And we need to come to the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Caleb wholeheartedly served the Lord, not his own dreams, not his own passions. And when he went into the promised land, this wasn't just some special project that he thought of. He's like, oh, this would be kind of cool. How about that hill country over there? That sounds nice. Because if it was, if it didn't happen, it's not really that big of a deal. It's like, well, I mean, it's just a random idea he had. But if this is from the Lord, then man, nothing's going to stop him. Because he knows the Lord is behind this, and the Lord wants to make that happen. So we have to get our work from the Lord, from God. Ask God, God, what have you made me for? What have you made me to do? Who have you made me to be? And how can I walk in to that? So that's where this, this story ends, and it says he goes, he does it, he's successful. And I want to just land here that Caleb isn't just all talk, because Caleb, Caleb is actually, if you read on, we're not going to read on, but if you read through uh, the rest of the story in Joshua, he's the only one who drives out every single enemy in his portion of land. Everybody else, they defeat like 50% of them, 60% of them, and there's leftovers that for like hundreds of years, they're just being annoyed and like, oh my gosh, like, why can't we like, you know, beat them and just be free and thrive where we, where we need to be? Caleb is the only one that fully commits and overcomes the enemy in his land. And I just think that's amazing because in my own life, I've experienced this where I get to like good enough in something. I'm like, yeah, that's, pr that's probably fine, you know, and I move on to something. But I'm like, constantly annoyed by that thing in my life. Maybe it's some sin issue, lust, pride, selfishness, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, man, why am I still wrestling with this thing? I thought I beat that. It's like, well, because you didn't, you didn't beat it. And it's still there annoying us. Paul talks about uh, this thorn in the flesh. And we don't know if that's a sin or not. It, it's probably not. But I relate to that because sometimes there are things that I just haven't overcome in my life that it feels like a thorn in the flesh that God was like, man, you, you could have beat that years ago. Let's, let's, let's get at that. And so I love that he, he goes at it. He steps up and he finishes the work that God has for him. So the question for us is, what do we do with this? How do we become a people who can step up and finish the work that God has in front of us? How do we rise up to finish our work? And I just want us to think about these things. Maybe you've lost sight of the value of why God has initially put something in your life. And I just want you to think about, man, how can I be captured 
by the value. Maybe you need to remember, like what Michaela was talking about, remember what God initially did in your life. Maybe you need to remember the miracle that he did in your life when he first grabbed hold of you. He said, man, I have a purpose for your life. I'm going to put dreams in your heart. I'm going to give you talents and things. You need to remember that and remind yourself of this value that you set out on. Maybe you've lost perspective and you're so close to the problem that it seems like this overwhelming problem. And you need to take a step back and remind yourself of how big God is. That God is so big. Maybe you've thought that it was going to be easy. And you need to remind yourself, no, there's going to be resistance. And I need to rise up a little bit to overcome this resistance. There will be enemies ahead of me. And lastly, maybe you need to get your work from the Lord. So I just want us to imagine, man, what this community could look like if each of us were really thriving in the work that God has for us. Because this would be pretty amazing, right? If all of us were like overcoming things in our life, man, we see like what God has made us for. And as a community, we're banding together. Think about the needs in this community that could be met if just the people in this room stepped up a little bit and saw, man, yes, this is the work that God has for me, and there have been setbacks, but man, God has this for us. Let's go for it. Man, I think about the needs in the community that could be met. I think about um, the, the rich relationships that could happen in this room. Oh, there are amazing things that God could do in this room. And so, um, Dave, you just want to come on up and uh, close us out? All right. Thanks, John. Stay up here. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, God, for what you've put in front of us. Father, I pray that you would give us the perspective that we need, the fight that we need for the areas in our life, God, that you've put in front of us to, Lord, rise up, Lord, to, to put a fight in us, God, that is, that is not only for our own lives, but a fight that goes beyond our own life for the lives of others through our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would uh, just speak to us through your word, through the story of Caleb this week. God, and I pray that you would put a backbone. God, I pray that you would just put a fire in our bones, that we would be your people in this generation in the city. God, that we, you would use us to make disciples, God, to reproduce the life of Jesus and the lives of others. And so, Father, I thank you. God, Lord, we just... I just pray for John and Brogan. Lord, we just thank you for this church plant in Topeka. Lord, we lift that up. We lift that work up to you. God, that there is an inheritance even for them. Lord, as they're stepping into that land, God, that there is a perspective that you're giving them. God, and an inheritance that you're securing for them. Father, we just bless this church. We just bless this church plant. God, we just pray that you'd put all the things in line that need to be in line. And God, that, that um, Lord... Later this year, God, we would see the culmination and the fruit of God prayers, of resource, and of investment to see lives changed in Topeka. God bless the Griffiths family and uh, their summer this year. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.